going to start our new series in a minute, or continue our new series. Um, and we, I don't really know how many there's going to be, but, you know, we're probably halfway through. Are you loving this? How many of you, just with the hands before we get into it or before they start recording, how many of you are really, is the Holy Spirit helping you since we've been on this series with your mouth? Have you discovered anything? Uh, Christine, I uh, would love for you to share. Uh, I don't know when we were sharing, but I know you sent me something in an email this week about something that was very meaningful to you, about how I shared with you last week how I can tear myself down like that. I can use my mouth to tear myself down and criticize myself. Share with me what you shared with me uh, for everybody because it was meaningful and it helped me. It helped I had that picture in my mind. It was powerful. Well, a few years back, I was actually going through a time where the Lord was really addressing with me the way my self-talk was. Because I could beat myself up better verbally than anybody else could. And I was listening to a teaching, and one of the things that they encouraged you to do was to make a list of every negative thing you ever say to yourself. And then after you made that list, they said, I want you to find one of your favorite pictures of yourself as a child. And after you had that picture, you were to take the picture and look at it and go through that list of negative things and speak those things to that child. And that was really powerful because none of us would ever say those things to a child, ever. You know, it's just mean, it's cruel, some of the things that we say to ourselves yet. We don't think twice when we say, oh, my God, I can't believe that. I'm so stupid. Um, you know, different things like that. You would never tell a child, you're so stupid, ever. So that was something that was very powerful to me to keep in mind, that we are all God's children, you know. And to say those things to ourselves, it makes him sad. So I keep that picture actually on my bulletin board at home to remind myself every now and then that, okay, you don't say those nasty things to that little girl. So if any of you have issues where you tend to be negative to yourself, it's a really powerful exercise to do. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I hope you'll uh, do that. I did. I got to thinking about, I have very few pictures of when I was a young child. Uh, most of them were very sad times in my life. And so I just imagine myself telling that little girl, a little flyaway hair, blonde girl, no shoes, dirty feet, because I only got one pair of shoes a year. What the heck? Am I going to say that? I had so many curses over my life growing up from words that were spoken by people who should be loving me and caring for me. And I'm just continuing in that. Oh, my gosh, it was just a real help for me. Thank you for sharing that, Christine. Many of you have things, and if you have helps, I want you to actually share them if they were really going to get something out of it. Amen? Thank you. I'm glad that God is working with you because he does intend to correct and sanctify our lips, our mouths, as well as, 
as well as destroy evil mindsets and evil thinking. Come on. Because we know as we've entered into this series that in order for you to speak, those words come from your mind, the recesses of your mind and thinking. You don't even have to think about it. They're so deeply ingrained and embedded in our thoughts. And when that happens, those translate to the heart. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so with these habits or things that have become habitual, uh, we go, uh, they've got habits and habitual issues. We tend to think of drugs in addiction, but we can have those kinds of issues happening in our hearts that need to be dealt with. So I'm really excited. As we continue next week, um, we will be speaking about the heart and how we can get the three parts, our mouths, our mind. We'll, We'll all be doing something on the mind after that. We'll just lightly touch on that uh, after next week. But as we enter into Valentine's season, uh, it is like a national holiday in my family. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, or you know, because it's all about the love. And uh, Brother Lamphere is going to bring that word. The, I've asked him to bring that word in our series of how we are searching. I've got to have a heart change. I brought this cross up here today because while we were doing worship practice and just, it's so intense on me right now. Jesus said, pick up your cross. And this is just about my size here. Isn't it? It's Kathy's size. This is my cross. I've been picking it up every day on this issue of my mouth. And some days I am frustrated because I know there's things I want to say. He's allowed me to experience tests. Testing so I can see, am I failing or am I getting this? Was I getting an F last week? Am I in a D plus now? I don't know where I am, but let, it, let the test come on. So we can measure ourselves. Tests and education are just so we have a measurement to understand how we understand any given subject. And I'm telling you, I didn't like some of the first grades I felt I was getting. And I don't mean they weren't condemning me. They weren't things that were, that were really, I mean, I wanted it to be better than that. Come on. But then he said, I'm just, it's a test, so you know, and so you can watch your growth. And so if you find yourself coming up short, (laughs) and you fail a test, and you get a lot of quizzes this week, this coming week, don't get down on yourself. Speak to your child. What would you say to that child? You know what? You're doing so good this week. Look at last week. There's been improvement. 
You've got a tutor. Every one of you has the same tutor. It's called the Holy Spirit. The school of the Holy Spirit. And so, sometimes what we're about to read, but I have to pick up my cross daily and die of myself. I just have to. Because he must be resurrected. I want him to have total control of my mouth. And that means he's working on my heart. He's working on my thoughts. So that what comes out of my mouth is what he wants. Amen? Amen. I'm excited about today. So I just wanted to, um, you know, speaking of mindsets, uh, which we are not going to be, it won't be the central focus of today, but in just thinking about it, your mindset and how you think leads to how you feel and what you do. Now, that can be on any subject matter. But for this series, we're talking about the mouth because we're entering into this powerful. I want to tell you, when we, were, when we came to that lost song during worship and Hallelujah was there, I was in the spirit and I could hear Hermine standing on top of a mountain. And when she goes, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And nobody can do that like her. I, I do try to good impersonation, but I can't. Is that a, a Jamaican? Because it comes, when she says that, and she, that anointing comes on her, and she shouts hallelujah, it comes from somewhere underneath her feet. It comes up out of the realm of the spirit and comes out her mouth, and strongholds are broken. And... I don't want to hog the microphone, but I'm like, we've got to shout hallelujah. I loved what you men did. My heart is crying out for the men in this house to come forward. I don't want to be the only one known as the big mouth in this church. Amen? Come on. I just discovered that my brother Wayne has a big mouth, and I love it. I love it. Now, you know, you can call me a big mouth as long as I'm speaking the word of the Lord. It has a new meaning. It has a new definition. Usually it has a negative definition. But in our lives, may we all become big mouths for the Lord. Big mouthpieces for his will. So that mind will lead you to, to uh, you know, and... It will lead you to <laughs> failure if somebody else has control of your minds and your thoughts. Or it will lead you to successful overcoming as overcomers in Jesus' name. We broke strongholds here today. You broke some in my life. I was just so glad to hear that. Um, so we're going to quickly review for anyone who has not joined us in the series before. We're talking about the decade of the mouth, pay, the Hebrew number for this next decade uh, has a word assigned to it spiritually, and that is the mouth. 
and God is anointing us and he's teaching us and he's going to help us uh, allow him to use it for his glory and his glory alone. We, last week we said, what do we use the mouth for? Can any of you quickly say again? We said prayer. We said praise. We said shouting. Worship. Hallelujah. Yeah, we use your, that, why, pardon? Edification, gratefulness, thankfulness. We forgot something last week, and we're coming up on Valentine's Day. Kissing. There's two ways to kiss. It says greet each other with a holy kiss. And some people have taken that too far, but I'm just saying what the word says. But greet each other with a holy kiss. But we also know about the kiss of Judas. And that was negative. That was false. It was demonic. Identifying his relationship with Jesus. So there's, a, so there's a positive and a negative. There's God's will, and God and Jesus. Is, I mean, uh, Satan is always trying to do a counterfeit on God's perfect will. Amen. What else? What else? Anything else? We use it to prophesy, declare, decree. Come on, I want you guys to be able, if somebody comes up, that you can give this little sermonette, that you can give it anywhere you want. I want you to have those things in your portfolio, inside of your heart. Let it be written on your heart. We, um, we talked that when uh, we speak, we influence ears and the thoughts of others. And we influence their emotions, good or bad. And we, we used the scripture last week. One of them was Job 34, 3. For the ear tests words as the palate, as your mouth tastes food. We ponder it. We take it in. We decide, do we like it or we don't. Our hearts and thoughts and mind, amen, are connected to the mouth. And we all know that out of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. So let's be interactive with each other today. So part of the topic today is the spiritual warfare against your mouth. So that will be against your thoughts, your heart issues, and your mouth, where it finally comes out. Spiritual warfare happens, let me tell you. Every second, every possibility, every opportunity. It says the devil walks to and fro in the earth and he's looking for someone to devour, destroy. Let me add, you know, that means trip you up, make you stumble, make you do less than God's perfect best. That's what he's doing. He's looking for every advantage. He's looked at you. He's had a demonic team with him to categorize and watch and watch and watch and watch every calculated weakness you have. And they're like, go after her thoughts. Go after her mind. I want to tell you uh, something. Uh, uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, it's 501 or two years now uh, since he brought the great reformation, but one of his quotes was, you have two eyes, you have two ears, you got one mouth. It's better to look and listen and be slow to speak. Do those two two things first before it comes out of your mouth. Amen? I like that. 
That was from Martin Luther 500 years ago. It's a good quote, having your portfolio. And to think about, you were given two eyes. You were given two ears. You were given one mouth to use. And so we do need to listen, and we need to look, you know, look at it before we speak. So I want to, we are going to the book of James. I hope you are bringing your Bibles. It would be great to carry along because in my life, I don't have time to do a PowerPoint. I was going to talk to Sean this morning. Can you download these scriptures so they can see it on the wall while we're going over it? Can you do that for me? But he had so much on his plate, I just didn't dare give him another thing this morning. So bring your Bibles. Mark your Bibles up. Get a pencil. Get a color highlight. So when you go back and you're reading the Word, of course, if you do that on your tablet, you can highlight that too. I still like to make pictures and all sorts of stuff in my Bible. I like to go back a few years and read scriptures, and I forget what revelation the Lord gave me. It's in the margins of my Bibles. I've got a Bible that has words in it. You know, preaching sermons with just my notes. I just have to go there and look at that, and I can preach that word. You see? You are ministers of the gospel, every single one of you. Your Bible is your weapon. <laughs> it's the sword in your hand. Get in the habit of bringing it to church with you so you can start marking it up. So when you're reading and going over these scriptures in the week, you might want to make a notation right there that you don't forget because I don't have a big outline for you this morning. But we're going to the book of James. And I understand that there's some churches in the area that are doing a whole series on the book of James this, this month or so. There's only five chapters in the book of James. Do any of you know who James was? Well, he was apostolic, but he was Jesus' brother. James was Jesus' brother. It was his half-brother. It, Mary and Joseph had this son. James became a very vocal person in the church, as we read this text, you will sense the authority that he uses in conveying what was in his heart. And he was really, there was no Fifty Shades of Grey. It was black and white. It it wasn't something that you could easily misunderstand. Okay? They were directives. You see, apostles have the responsibility of setting church doctrine and what we believe because the Word says it. Okay? The foundation stones. And so you are hearing some foundation stone word. In fact, scholars believe, oh, there's, you know, we don't know exactly because these manuscripts weren't embedded with a year watermark on them. But they do believe that this was written in approximately 48 A.D. That was very shortly after Jesus died and was resurrected. So it was within 20 years, very possibly. And they do believe it was the first book of the New Testament. Our Bibles are not in chronological order in how they were written. But it's the first written 
text to the church, to the Hebrews, to us. And so it's very important. Uh, So I want us to take a very humble approach because some of these are shaking. They can shake us. They're very direct. It gets our attention. Uh, The first one uh, by James is chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. That's some heavy rubby. If you can't deal with your mouth, your religion is worthless. Now, as we go into chapter um, 3, where we're going next, he begins to t- give us analogies. He begins in the text to talk about things that they understood in the day. And so transportation was horses or carriages. Okay? So the first thing he, of course, that's something everybody could understand And that's why he says puts the bits in their mouth. You see a horse. Anybody do horseback here? But you've seen the old westerns. They put the bridle on. They put the bit in the horse's mouth. Because if you don't, that's how you, if you put that in the horse's mouth, that's how you lead them around, right? You put that in their mouth and that gets them to go. So that is the driving force. And he used that analogy. So if you understand If you put a bit in your mouth, that's what he's talking about. That's how you will be led. And I want to, and then he talks about ships because that was another method of transportation in the day. And it still is. All of these. All of these transportation uh, analogies that he uses are still part of our lives. Ships. Lonnie and I have been on huge ships. They're amazing. And we have seen some in dry dock. And this humongous cruise ship, enormous, we've even seen military ships that were up and we could go and see the rudder in comparison to this huge, heavy ship, powerful it is that rudder that directs which direction it goes. It is very small in comparison. It's like you'd think it would have to be gigantic. But it's just this one little thing in a ship. So I'd like to give you some uh, Kathy's analogy, <laughs> if you will, um, in transportation in our day. So just about every one of you has driven a car. If you haven't driven one, just about every one of you has been in a vehicle or a bus with lots of people on it, like a ship, right? A bus, but same difference. What is the rudder, quote, in that situation? It's the steering wheel. I mean, in simplicity, right? It's what you have to control where you're going, 
right? And if that steering wheel, we've all seen comedies or we've seen, you know, where the steering wheel comes off and what's going to happen with the vehicle, you're going to have a crash, you know? I know in today's world we've, you know, we can even abandon the steering wheel and there are these new computerized mechanisms to get us where they go. But I don't know what the rudder is in those situations, but some of you techno, uh, you know, heroes could tell us. But nonetheless, it leads where we want to go. So as we think about that, I want you to think, in every case, in a ship, a captain has to think about what's going to happen with that rudder to get it in the direction. The man on, or woman on the horse has to think about which way he's going to pull the bridle or pull it back for woe, snap it for giddy up, pull the reins one way to get it to go right or left. And in some cases, you become the rudder when you just give it a little hind kick. Let's go. Let's add the speed here. It's like the put the metal to pedal to the metal. We understand the mechanisms. And when you're driving, I just one more thing in our analogy with the vehicle that is something you can relate to. You use your mind, start the car, turn the wheel. But sometimes you drive mindlessly, don't you? Sometimes you get to a destination and you don't even know, where am I? How did I get here? Sometimes you're mindless about where you're going and you've, you're like, what am I doing? I was supposed to go over here. I'm not going there today. I've got to turn around, don't you? This analogy helps us understand where we are with our own mouth and why it's so important for God to come and help us with these thoughts in our minds so that we just don't go about moving mindlessly or out of rote. But that's what we've done. Because, and, we, and why do we do that in driving? Because it's been a habit, right? Sometimes you can be going to the grocery store, but you just found yourself driving to work. And I'm like, I say to myself, I talk to myself, don't tell anybody this, Kathy. But do you get it? Don't tell a soul. And if my grandkids are with me, I'm like, do not tell your parents about this. <laughs> no, but you know, we laugh at ourselves and we can chuckle. But this is what's happening to us. Some of us have such habitual thinking that is not where we want to go, which we would call mindless thinking. We're in ruts, and God is going to help expose that. I want to be exposed. Oh, let me quickly go back over here. Expose me, Lord. Each one of us has that cross that we're going to pick up daily. But I don't want you to lose heart, because how can we know if, we, if it isn't exposed? Then we would be called ignorant or fools. And God does not want you to be a fool nor does he want you to be ignorant. Amen? So he's here to show us and teach us as we move. Okay, enough said about those. 
James 3, we're going to start with verse 1. James is saying, oh, he gets to talking about the tongue is a, is a fire. And again, I want to talk about that spiritual warfare against our mouth. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Yeah. As I teach today, as I minister today, my judgment is very strict. I will account for it. Yes. Everybody wants to preach or teach or something like that. And that's a great thing to aspire to if that's what God's calling you to. But don't forget the extra accountability that is on you for that. So it's a good thing. He's really not trying to get people, but he also knew there were people out there mindlessly thinking, I want to teach and preach at the next house meeting. And he wanted them to know, great, it's good, but don't forget, we account to him. You don't account. I really won't. I will account to him, and it will be stricter. So verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. We can all say yes to that. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Again, he's going back to the bit in your mouth that he spoke about in in chapter 1. If we can bridle it, if we can keep ourselves going in the right direction. Now, but a perfect man... The law of love, the royal law of love is perfect. It's perfection. I like to strive for it. I fail miserably at times. So I know I'm not perfect. Because out of the mouth, and what will prove it to me, Kathy, keep me humble, is your mouth just said that. Can you believe that? Okay, let's find out about this. I don't have to tear myself up about it. I go to him and find out what the answer is. Verse 3. Now, if we put the bits into the horses' mouths so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. So he's telling you, if you can get your mouth straightened out, your whole body will follow in its actions. We think, goes into the heart, out of our mouth, and it affects what we do. Again, we talked about that earlier. Now he's talking about the ships in verse 4. Behold, the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So we also, it's an amazing thing if you've ever been on a cruise ship when they back into this tiny space or they have to come right up to a dock and not tear it out. I mean, and then they have to go around a corner and there's waves coming and there's winds blowing and sometimes it takes them a long time to get in there fighting the elements and the issues of the day. It's kind of like us. Sometimes we're trying to steer and move ourselves in a direction, and all of these things come up. But we can learn, and we can still get in there and get in snug tight and do it the way God wants to. 
I love that about this. So the tongue in verse 5. So, so also the tongue is a small part of the body. And yet it boasts great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Let's think about fire. Now uses another analogy. Let me tell you what. Fire in those days, they didn't have the big fire engine. They didn't have plumbing. In the Forbidden City in China, they had huge vessels of water that were placed around the entire city. And that's what they'd run to, to put out a fire. Fire destroyed cities. We all know when Rome was set on fire, Nero blamed it on the Christians. But it took a spark. It took a flame. And it took down an entire city. It destroyed Rome. How many times in my seeking the Lord in this word has the enemy tried to spark something in my mind? Just a little spark. Mix that with a little bit of offense. Mix that with a little bit of pain. Mix that with a little bit of uh, whatever. And all of a sudden, my mind went through a torrent. There was a fire. It started to rage. I couldn't put it out. And out, before you know it, it mixed with all wounds, past wounds and past thoughts. And out of my mouth came a fire that was a destructive fire either against myself or someone else or something things else or an ideal or ideology. That's what he's talking about here. And that's where I'm saying there is spiritual warfare against your mouth. The enemy wants to find a spark he can get to use. If he knows that you do a lot of things mindlessly, he wants to ingrain the habit so he can do something to get you to. He also wants you to agree with him (laughs) about how bad you are. We heard about that earlier. But we're not going to fall for that anymore. If we fail, what do we do? We go, whoops, that was the big F. But my recovery time was probably a B plus because I heard the Holy Spirit say, see, see, Cleanse my lips, Lord. Cleanse them. Break down that mindset. Stop that mindlessness. Stop that habit of just a response. Let everything come under the blood of Jesus. Is this good? I hope it's good for you. In verse 6, he says, And the tongue is a fire. The very world of inequity. The tongue is set among your members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our daily life and is set on fire by hell. Again, spiritual warfare, if it's in the negative sense. There is the fire of God. You've all heard fiery preachers. Here's one right here. If God can set a fire in my heart, he can get 
a fire that's been shut up in my bones. He releases that. It's a purifying fire. That shout of hallelujah was fire. Some of you, some of us caught the spark early, but as we continued and continued, the fire went. Is that? Do you understand what happened to us today? It was a holy fire. So again, if hell can set our tongues on fire, God can set them on fire. And we, we could release a purifying fire. The Word of God says that God is a consuming fire. Then let the anointed Word consume. Let it consume everything that isn't God. I love that. There's spiritual warfare on this Word right now. Totally. On your minds, on your thinking, He doesn't want you to know that He wars against your thoughts, your heart, and your mouth. This has been the most assaulted word of the series. So therefore, let me tell you, it's probably one of the most important for you to understand. And of of course, I'm not going to quit. So hopefully you'll go back and rehearse it in a time when you're praying up. And you can hear it again so God can really put this in and speak to you how it fits you. Every, verse 7, every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. We can even teach birds to talk, right? But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. I mean, he, James was laying it out. Don't kid yourself. Don't deceive yourself. You've got problems here. Remember, he said your religion is worthless if you can't deal with your mouth. Verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. We said that before. God created the the world. He created everything with his mouth. He spoke it into existence. He created you, and he made you in his likeness. And therefore, you have a mouth that is meant to be used to create. You can create an atmosphere by the words you speak. You can affect plant life by the words you speak. There are scientific studies where they put plants in one room of negative type of music where everything is cursing and everything else, and they put them where uh, other music is blessed and words are being spoken in a positive thing, and the plants respond. They don't feed them anything else. They give them water at the same time, and the ones with the words, the goodness of God, grow greater. That is scientific study. That was done years and years ago. What we speak influences. It influences. Um, verse 10. If our verse, uh, so, so we use it for blessing or cursing, and we even use it against men who are in the likeness of God. Verse 10. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. So, do we say, does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? No. Not unless the fountain got defiled 
the next question he poses to them, can a fig tree bear olives? Can it produce olives? In our world, can an apple tree produce grapes? Can a pear tree produce bananas? I mean, he's... Yes, banana trees can produce bananas. I love that. So that's the whole point. That is the point. We want our fountain, our mouth. It says, out of you shall flow rivers of living water, and it comes out of your mouth. Amen? There's so much the mouth is accountable for. Now I want to tell you what Jesus says. This is important. This is real important. In Matthew 12:36, Jesus says, And I say to you that every careless word, that means every careless, every idle, every useless word. Jesus said, And I say to you that every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. Ponder that. You're sitting with Jesus. He just told you that. Every idle word, every useless word, every Babylon, back to the cross, Kathy. Pick it up daily. And then he goes on to say, For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. I think we've got some important business to do. Amen? Important business. It's time to be responsible for our words. And I know every one of us want to be. Because it's time for us to be responsible for our words now so we don't have to be worried about when we give an account later. It won't be a test then. The test will be over. The temptations will be done with. It will be judgment time. I want us to think about this because God has, as we started this service out, this uh, ministry, week out with some serious thought. Salvation. Are we saved or lost? This is real. This is coming down. Jesus said that. Jesus said it. So it's time for us so we can be responsible now and we don't have to be accountable later. It's time to cleanse our mouth by repentance. Sanctify us, O Lord. Romans 15, 5 and 6. Um, I'm probably five minutes away from closing in case you're still thinking about running out the door. Uh, now may God, who gives perseverance and the encouragement, grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God, the Father of Jesus Christ, our Lord our Savior, and our hero, and the one we want to be like. We want to speak Jesus. That's the language we want to have in this mouth. Now, 
Obviously, every week we find ourselves repenting. Seems like it's on the agenda. And that's how we do. We just don't put it under the rug. We don't walk away and say, I can't do this. I just can't do this. Yes, you can. Because the word says all things are possible. We sang that today. We sang songs about miracles. If you need a miracle, I need a miracle, then I've got to have one. He's going to give me one. Why? Because it's his will that I do this. And his grace that he pours out on me. The word of God says his grace is sufficient. Grace is nothing more than the power. Grace is power. Grace is power. It's not a free get-out-of-sin pass. It's grace is power that is poured out upon your life and poured out upon my life to allow me to get me through and be sufficient that I can do everything that God commands for me to do. When James wrote this epistle, this book, he had a hundred and eight commands in the five chapters. I suggest you read the whole thing because there are many more things besides the mouth that he talks on, and they are pertinent to our lives. He was kind of head of the council that met that year, and this is what he wrote. And when you read those chapters, you can learn The Holy Spirit will give you understanding of what's important in this life. Are you a Christian or are you not? Are you a Christian in name only? Does what you do and what you say erase that? If there's a whiteboard up here and I go, I'm a Christian, but then I get some things on that board that I'm doing and saying or not doing? Oh, I have faith, but I have no works. We're working at this right now. And you're going to have works. You're going to have deeds that are going to be coming out of your mouth. We're all fire for revival. Because your heart is engaged. And your mind is relentless to have anything less than a fire of God across our nation. We are a fight for life, God's life and light. I love the word that, that, uh, the word of God that uh, God used Steve to bring a few weeks ago. He was talking about salvation. He was loud. There was fire coming out of his mouth. I don't know if you remember that word. It's like, we got to get with it. This is real. There are saved and lost. And what are we doing? What in the world are we doing with our time? It is so precious. You get one life. You might get one day. In Kobe Bryant's lifespan, he got up that morning totally involved with a plan to do something else. We are no different. We are no different. May God write the plan, his plan in our hearts that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, we are promoting his plan. We are lifting him up. If he's got something going on, I want to tell somebody about it. Amen? Use my mouth, use your mouth to glorify God. 
Let us ask God to forgive us right now. Father, wash us by the blood of Jesus. Lord, this cross is here because you shed the blood and you're pouring out grace upon it and you said that grace, your grace is sufficient. And we say that we can do this, we will do this. This is our mindset, this is our heart to glorify you in these days. And and we commit to this and we challenge ourselves and we commit our mouths to you, Lord. And we cry out, purify our hearts. Purify our hearts. Save us, God. Save us, God. I believe he will. And remember, we started this journey. We said it takes 21 days to break habits. And we started January 26th. And by, when, when was it? Uh, I think I wrote it down. February. Let's see if I just covered up. Is it the 16th? Yeah, yeah, February February 16th, yes. We should be breaking some of our habits. I hope that you'll have testimonies about that. Amen? Amen? I want to close with Romans uh, 10, verses 8 through 11. But what does it say? The word, he's referring to the word. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we're preaching. That's what we're preaching here. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. In Jesus' name, may this be sealed to our word, our hearts. And we look forward to that word next week, my brother. Amen. Amen.